Welcome to the podcast of Destiny Community Church. Hey, today we're going to continue and conclude our series on the Holy Spirit called The Promise. Um, as promised, I, I, I said that today would, would, we'd bring it into it, or at least I was hoping we would bring it into it. Um, but I, I want you to, to use this sermon today to prepare your hearts, because in a few moments the band's going to come back up, and there's a song that some of you may know. We've never uh, done it here before, but it's a song that has helped me through this past year, and um, it, it has just become a very familiar song on my playlist there's been moments throughout this past year that I, I have come in here to this room and with the lights out and just had this song playing and just, just wept right there on that floor, face down. I knew I wasn't going to make it through the sermon today without this. I was trying. I was really trying to at least make it to the end. And... There's something that God has done in me this year through his Holy Spirit that I pray and I hope that through this, this message today that he will be able to do the same for you. Because it's a promise that we have, amen? The work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, it's a promise that we have. And we don't have to beg for it, we just have to freely receive it, amen? You received the gift of salvation by faith, did you not? Well, when we receive the Holy Spirit into our lives and a daily infilling of the Holy Spirit, man, I need him to fill me full every day. We receive the Holy Spirit by faith daily, but the, 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 the one caveat to this is we've got to be willing to make some room and so he will not invade space where he's not welcomed. And we get to make room for the Holy Spirit in our lives and today I, I think, I hope, and I pray I'm going to be able to give you something that's going to help you create some of that space in your life for the Holy Spirit. How many of you want more of the Holy Spirit open and operating in your life? Amen? Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. So the first week of this series, um, we looked at the promise Jesus made to his disciples. We've read this verse every week, John chapter 14, verses 16 and 17, where Jesus said, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. He goes on, he says, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive. They can't, the world, an unbeliever cannot receive the spirit of truth. And, and he says, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But he said, you know him. You who are believers, you know him. You know the Holy Spirit. Without the Holy Spirit, you couldn't come to the Father. He drew you into the Father. And he said, you know him. And Jesus made this promise. He said, and he dwells with you and will be, say it, in you. He's, he made us this promise. He said, he's with you. But he says, this gift is going to be put in you. The second week, I pointed out that, that Jesus made it plain to his disciples that the Holy Spirit inside of you is more advantageous than Jesus beside you. And then the third week, we looked at the purpose of the Holy Spirit. The why is always more important than the how. The why is the purpose. The how is the power. And we, we've, we've got to keep those straight. Never let the how become more important than the why. And then the fourth week, I spoke to you about the wind of the Holy Spirit. Like wind, you, you can't see the Spirit of God, but you can certainly feel it and you can see the effects of it. God telling humanity what to do, consistently telling humanity what to do, it did not work. 
and, and God telling you what to do. Uh, it, it, I don't know how many of you have ever heard the audible voice of God. Um, I've never heard the audible voice of God, so if you haven't, you're in good company. But, but whether God is telling you with his audible voice or he's telling you through a song or he's telling you through his word or he's telling you through godly counsel, God telling you what to do doesn't always work. But God told the prophet Ezekiel that he was going to put his spirit and, and the, the Hebrew word there is ruach, and, and it's the same word that, that they use throughout the Old Testament for, for wind. Wind and spirit are interchangeable, ruach. And, and, and he said he's going to put his spirit, ruach, in us. And, and the wind of God in us, it causes us to live lives that are holy unto God, and suddenly his will for our lives becomes our will for our lives. He actually changes your desires, and you begin desiring godly things for your life. And as we conclude this series, I want to look at another element that the scripture uh, uses to describe the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. There's another element that, that, that the, the, the verses use, and, and, and that is the element of fire. Fire. Somebody say fire. In the hit movie, Castaway, the character that Tom Hanks plays, Chuck, I believe is his name, Chuck. Chuck is stranded on an island after a, after a plane crash that killed the others that were on board. But he's, he's, he's on this island, and he, he realizes that he needs fire to survive. If you've ever seen the movie, it's one of my favorite scenes from the movie. It's, it's one of the most dramatic scenes, I believe, in the movie. And it's, it's, it's sad, but it's, it also becomes comical at, at one point. As... Chuck begins to try and create fire, and, and it's this moment of, of him frantically trying. I mean, he needs it because he, he needs to stay warm. He needs fire to be able to cook. He needs to be able to boil water, and so he knows that he needs fire, and after numerous failed attempts, he finally sees some smoke, and then he sees a spark, and then he begins feeding that and it becomes a flame. And, and then it quickly flashes to him at night as he keeps feeding this big fire and this flame. And the result is this, this fire party on the beach where he is dancing around and, and, and he is just so excited that he created fire. And he says these words as he just kind of stops and he lifts his hands up and he says, Look what I have done. I have created fire. I have made fire. And it's just this moment where you just want to stand up from your chair and you just want to clap and you want to, yes, he did it, he did it, he did it. But I read an article about it and what seemed like a man isolated on an island, there were about 150 other crew members around that were helping him make fire on that, on that stage set. Fire is a necessity for life. We can't live without it. Without fire, we, we would starve. Without fire, our lives would be much less enjoyable. We need fire. And the same can be said, church, about the fire of God. We need the fire of God. And so many times I think that we just bypass scriptures that talk about this and we don't realize the importance of it. And I can tell you this, 
God does not put anything in his word. He does not put a metaphor or an example or anything else that doesn't have significant spiritual meaning for your life. And so when he, when he speaks about the fire of God, we need to know that we need that fire in our lives because life, our spiritual lives cannot sustain without the fire of God. We need the fire. I want to read from Matthew chapter 3, verses 11 and 12 today. And this is one of those scriptures that we're just going to kind of pick it up right in the middle of the story. Uh, this is John the Baptist, is who, whom we're going to be reading about. And Jesus is on his way to be baptized by John, but John is looking at some religious leaders and he's, he's really trying to to teach them about repentance. That's what John was all about. He was about teaching them about repentance and preparing their hearts for the Messiah because he knew the Messiah was right around the corner. And the Messiah was one that they had been looking for. They'd been looking for the Messiah for hundreds of years. And John knows the Messiah is here, so he's trying his best to prepare them. Matthew chapter 3, verse 11, John says, I baptize you with water for repentance. But he who is coming after me that's Jesus. He who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Say fire. fire. So I'm say it again like you mean it. Say fire. fire. He says, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. John is explaining this and he says he's got his winnowing fork in his hand. Church, the winnowing process is when the harvester gathers together all of, of the grain and, and, and then he takes his pitchfork and, and he throws it up into the air as the wind is blowing and he allows the wind to blow, blow away the straw and the chaff, and the grain, the good grain falls back to the ground in order to be gathered. That's how they would separate it. John said that everything else will be burned. Just the grain remains. Everything else that, that kind of blows off to the side, it's gonna be gathered and it will be burned. And in this one scripture, John gives us an insight into the work of the Holy Spirit as he blows away and even consumes, destroys the things that are not needed in a believer's life. And I can tell you this, if, if you live for one more hour, you could have a perfectly clean slate right now. And I promise you, within one hour, there's going to be some stuff in your life that needs to be blown away and burned up and consumed. Why? Because we are just simply human beings. And we could not. In the Old Testament, they could not accomplish this by themselves. That's why he sent the Holy Spirit, not just to do a work, but to do a continued work in our lives. To continue blowing away the things that should not remain and consuming them and burning them up with his fire and John said you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit and fire time and time again throughout the scriptures God has manifested himself as fire we know in Exodus chapter 2 when God wanted to capture the attention of Moses he did so using fire uh, there was a bush that was being 
burnt with, with fire. The flame was coming forth, yet it was not being consumed. But, but it got the attention of Moses, so God appeared to him as, as a burning bush. We know that the Israelites were led through the wilderness at night by a pillar of fire. We know that in Leviticus 9 and 24 that fire was used to consume the sacrifices that, are on the, that were on the altar. And the Bible says that God himself lit the fire. That God lit the fire. We, we know that in, in Hebrews 12 and 29, it says that our God is a consuming fire. That is how he describes our God. He is a consuming fire. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, at the judgment seat of Christ, and, and this catches some people off guard, but, but this is scriptural. And it, it tells us at the judgment seat of Christ that every one of us who are believers, if you're a believer, say Amen. All of us who are believers, every one of us will stand before the Lord at the judgment seat of Christ and we're going to give an account of the quality of work that we have done for the kingdom of God. It doesn't secure your salvation. That only comes through Jesus Christ and by nothing that you have done, yet your rewards in heaven, once you get there, you will be rewarded according to the quality of work that you have done while you have been on this planet. And the scripture tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 that every person's work is going to be tested by fire. Man, quick learner. Fire. And the greatest need that we as a church and as individual believers, the greatest need that we have today is the need for the fire of the Holy Spirit of God. We need the fire. Because there's things that keep rising up. There's things that we cannot get rid of. There are things that under our own ability and our own power, they keep haunting us. But if we would just allow the Spirit of God to blow and let his fire consume these things, it will completely change us. But it's got to be welcomed every day of our lives. Amen? Now, I'm not talking about a wildfire that is chaotic and out of control that only brings attention to oneself and confusion to everyone else. That fire causes more damage than good. No, what I'm talking about is more of a controlled burn by the Holy Spirit, allowing him to actually take control and to burn away the things that he wants to rid our lives of. It brings about true repentance and, and it brings about that change. Now really quickly, I just want to give you just a few things that, 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 that fire does for us. The holy fire of God, here's what it does. The first thing is, is that fire purifies. Fire purifies. Um, when your life is invaded with the fire of the Holy Spirit, your life is purified and sin cannot live where the fire of the Holy Spirit remains. Sin can't stay there. Sin might try to rise up, but sin cannot remain because it, it, the, the fire of God brings about a purification. It's kind of like this. It, it, I have this gold ring on. This is my wedding band. This is my original wedding band. I've never lost my wedding band. I wish some of you men could say that. Then you wouldn't be in trouble all the time. But, but here's, here's my wedding band. It is gold, and it has very small, small diamonds in it. My wife's was a little different, and it had gold, but larger diamonds in it, but you all know how that works out, right? But my wedding band is made of gold, and, and, and if there is dirt or if there are impurities inside of gold, you cannot use enough soap to scrub it out. Soap just won't work. 
Soap will not get the impurities, the dirt, out of that gold. But the only way that you can get the impurities out of gold is through the purification of fire. That's the only way that it works. Fire melts down everything and it allows the gold to be separated from the dirt. And when they collect it, now they have pure gold. And what you are left with is a purified, precious metal. In Job 23 and 10, Job makes this, or comes to this realization. He says, but he knows the way that I take. Listen to what Job says. He says, he knows the way that I take. When he has tried me, I shall come out as gold. He said, listen, I'm going through this process right now, but when God is done with me, I'm going to shine like gold. How many of you are going through a process right now, and you know that when you come out on the other side, you're going to shine like gold? Amen? In Proverbs 17 and 3, it says, fire tests the purity of silver and gold, but the Lord tests the heart. In Psalm 66 and 10, it says, for you, O God, have tested us. You have tried us as silver is tried. You see, we are constantly being put through the purification process. And when we allow the Holy Spirit and the fire of God to burn in our lives, then it keeps our lives pure through that purification process. Fire reveals who you really are. Fire reveals who you really are. Oh, man, don't, don't point at anybody. Don't, 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 don't make any accusations right now. But, but man, have I not watched that be, been played out this year. Fire reveals who a person really is. Little did I know in March of last year that there were some people that I had no idea who they really were. There were people that, that, that you come in contact with constantly and you think you know someone, but man, you put them in the middle of the fire. Man, COVID brought out the worst in some people, did it not? And, and, and man, you put some people, you throw them in the fire and suddenly those impurities begin rising to the surface. Man, this was something God showed me months ago that those impurities start coming to the surface and you start finding out who people really are. You put somebody in the fire, you'll find out who your real friends are. Fire reveals who you really are. And, and here's what happens, and, and we're all guilty of this. We walk around wearing these facades trying to convince everyone else that we are someone other than who we really are. We post on social media our best life, and it's not even our real life. But we're trying to convince everyone else that that's who we are. Pictures with filters erasing every wrinkle and blemish. Oh, I'm preaching to some of you women right now, and sadly, a couple of you men. <laughs> Inspirational quotes that we don't even buy into, but man, we will bombard our feed with them. We will share what the online media monster is convincing us to be the truth. And we, we don't even know what we believe or where we stand with, with, with our worldview because we are allowing someone else to convince all of that. And we have become this version of ourselves covered in this false reality. And we don't even know who we are. But the fire of the Holy Spirit, when it begins, when it's invited in and we pray, Lord, purify my life with fire, you'll find out who you really are in that moment. We need the fire of God to bring about a purification for us. I need the fire of God to bring about a purification for me personally, for us as a church, for us as a nation, and even for us as a world. We need the fire of the Holy Spirit purifying us. But it takes humility. 
As I said just a few moments ago as we were ending worship, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. It it, it takes a humble heart. We've got to begin operating in humility and, and cast off this facade of who we want others to think that we are and trade it for looking like who he wants us to become. And let me let you in on a secret. He wants you to become like Christ. And you can't become like Christ without the power of the Holy Spirit operating in your life and without the fire of God burning in your life. We need the fire because we need the purification of that fire. Zechariah 13 and 9, God tells the prophet, he says, I will bring that group through the fire and make them pure. I will refine them like silver and purify them like gold. They will call on my name and I will answer them. I will say, these are my people and they will say, the Lord is our God. Man, if we've ever needed to be purified, it's right now. You want to know what turns a nation back to God? It's the fire of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Amen? This is the answer to our problems. What fixes political differences? The fire of God. What fixes racial tensions? The fire of God. What fixes unstable marriages? The fire of God. What fixes uh, uh, rebellious children, unruly children? I'll tell you what it is. It's the fire of God. You need the fire of God bringing about a purification even in your home. Because the fire of the Holy Spirit is our answer. And if we want to be more like Jesus, we need the Spirit of Christ operating in our lives. Amen? Another thing that fire does is fire gives light. Fire gives light. For most of human history, when the sun went down, humanity went to sleep. You are just blessed to live in the age of electricity. But this is not how it looked for most of human history. Thomas Edison invented the light bulb, give or take, 142 years ago. So, when you start doing the math of, of the history of humanity, that means that, that humanity lived without electricity and light bulbs for somewhere around 5,800 years. 5,800. Now, we can debate that and go back and forth, but you would all agree with me, no matter where you put the timeline at, for the majority of human history, we've lived without electricity and without light bulbs. That's why the, the Hebrews, in leaving captivity, they followed that pillar of fire at night so that they could see where they were going. The glory of God was leading them and guiding them in darkness. Even the Spirit of God was guiding them then. And in order to move about safely at at night, we, we had to have torches. We had to have fire to see what was in front of us. If not, we could fall into a hole or we would run into a tree or, or, or we just needed the fire in order to see where we were going. And, and that's part of what the fire of the Holy Spirit does. The fire sheds light on the path of, of where God is taking you. He guides and he directs. Even in the darkest of nights, even in the darkest of, of moments of human history, the Holy Spirit still guides us and directs us. He guides us through God's word and sheds light on the, on the scriptures. For some of you, that, that when you try to read this and it doesn't make sense and you just can't see it being revealed to you, 
When you begin praying for the fire of the Holy Spirit to burn in your life, it, it allows the scriptures, it, it brings about an enlightenment for you and they begin to pop off the pages because if you want to understand the Bible and get it into you, then you have to pray for the Holy Spirit and the fire to reveal it to you. As I shared last August at, at my dad's funeral, you would be amazed to find out that my father did not graduate high school. If you knew my father, especially in his prime, you, you're just, you would be shocked to know that he did not graduate high school. My dad did not even come close to graduating high school. You would never have known it by the way that he carried himself. But, but when the Holy Spirit and fire came upon my father, God began to reveal the scriptures to him. And I can tell you this, my father never felt intimidated walking into a room with the greatest of theologians. He had a confidence, and, and God revealed things to him. And, and this even caused the Victory Bible Institute to, to award my dad an honorary bachelor's degree. My father did not have enticing words of man's wisdom, but he was empowered with the fire of God. It's like the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 2 and 4. He said, and my message... And my preaching were very plain. Rather than using clever and persuasive speeches, I relied only on the power of the Holy Spirit. If you want knowledge beyond your abilities, pray that the Holy Spirit and fire would enlighten and empower you. And I promise you, he will be faithful to fill you and empower you if you will just make room and allow him to invade that space. But, but, but he is not there just to light up God's word to you. He is available to light up every decision that you have to make in your life. I don't want to make any decision in my life. I don't want to make any decision personally. I don't want to make any decision for this church without the fire of the Holy Spirit lighting up that path and letting me see what lies ahead and which direction I should go. But not only does it give light, fire gives warmth. Fire gives warmth. You know, one of the, the best cures for a frigid marriage is a cold night and a small fire. Man, if you're struggling in your marriage and you have a desire to, to rekindle that, that love flame between the two of you, go sit outside on a cold night and build a very small fire. You'll find a way to connect. Because there's something about snuggling up next to a person, next to the fire. Marriages have been saved next to fireplaces, bonfires, and campfires. And we'll just leave it at that. The world has had enough of cold Christianity. I'm really going to speak from my heart just for a moment here. Please hear me out. I'm tired of watching Christians be become so judgmental and legalistic where we are beginning to attack other Christians because they don't worship like we do, they don't necessarily believe exactly like we do. Man, listen, the world is having a heyday with our attacks at each other. Why does the world have to fight us when we're going after each other? And listen, I could go through a list and I could name some preachers that, that I'm not fond of and, and that I don't listen to, but the one thing you're never going to catch me doing is bashing them because they're reaching someone that I'm never going to be able to reach. As long as they lift up the name of Jesus, something's right. 
And they may listen to me sometimes and think, man, his theology might be a little bit off. I've said it before, none of us will ever get all of this figured out. There's so much here, and let me tell you, there's things that I taught 14 years ago. I'm sorry for you that started off with me, but there's things I taught 14 years ago that God has matured me and grown me in, and I believe given me greater insight in. Just pray for them. Don't go, go and start bashing them. And, 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 and man, I'm just watching as Christians go after Christians and we've got this cold Christianity that, that, that has got to stop. The world needs the compassionate, warm heart of Christ. And we're never going to win anyone with our judgmental, legalistic hearts and mindsets. I recently, I recently had a pastor that called me and he said, I need some advice. He said, here's, here's what I'm going to do. He says, there's some people that are, are members of our church. Not our church, his church. He said, there's mem- pe- people that are members of my church. And he said, um, they don't attend like they should. And they're not living the Christian life like they should. He said, so I'm sending you this letter that I'm about to send to them. And he emailed me the letter, and I, I began to look at it. And, man, it was one of the, the harshest letters. I, I, didn't, I didn't even know people still did stuff like this. As he told them in this letter, because of their non-attendance and their lifestyle, he was disfellowshipping them from the church. As in, you're no longer welcome to be a part of our congregation. And I sat there with tears and rolling down my cheeks as I read this letter thinking, my God, where, where, where does this come from? Is this what we've become? It's extreme. I know it is, but man, it is a sad, sad reality because the fire of the Holy Spirit, it warms our hearts to the things that God cares about. And I can assure you of this, everyone that is not here today, God still cares about them. And if they're not walking the Christian walk, I can assure you God is still after them and he is commissioning his Holy Spirit to go after them and to arrest their hearts. And what we have to do is try and encourage that and bring them in hoping, just hoping and praying that they will allow Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit of God to make a true change in their lives. The Holy Spirit of God warms our hearts to the things that God cares about and to the things that break His heart. We need the fire of God. We need the fire of God, church. In 1871, Extremely dry weather and an abundance of of wooden buildings became the prime target when Catherine O'Leary's cow kicked over the lantern in Chicago. Some of you will remember the great Chicago fire of 1871. It burned, burnt down hundreds, even thousands of buildings just it was one of the worst fires in American history the one thing about fire is you don't have to tell it where to go fire kind of does what it wants to and it will spread and it will consume When you have an individual 
that says, I want the Holy Spirit to burn in my life, to consume all of the impurities in my life, to make me a light, to give me the warm heart of Christ. You let that husband or you let that wife be transformed by the fire of the Holy Spirit in their life and before you know it, it starts spreading through their home. You can't control that fire. You let enough homes in a church begin to pray for the Holy Spirit of God to burn like fire in their homes. And it begins to spread through a church. You let a church be consumed with the fire of God and it begins to spread through the community. You let a community be consumed with the fire of God and it begins to spread through the county, through the state, through the nation. But it has to start somewhere. And we've got to pray, Lord, let it start with me. Thank you for listening to the podcast of DCC. For service times and directions, log on to www.destinycommunitychurch.org. Thanks again for listening.